I'm Bryony Kennedy and you're listening to the Beauty, Business and Babies podcast brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. In the last 10 years of building Adorn Cosmetics, having three children and advocating for more ethical beauty standards in the beauty industry, I've become intimately aware of what it's like to wrestle with the different areas of my life. Every fortnight, I'll share the tears and triumphs that I experienced when starting my ethical conscious beauty company, dealing with depression and caring for my children. My hope is that you'll grow to know it's okay to have imperfect days, that you are not alone in feeling like a mess and that you'll be inspired to commit to small but bold actions each and every day. Welcome back to another episode of Beauty, Business and Babies brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. I'm joined by Michelle from The Peers Project, our producers, and today we're talking about taking the huge leap from a side hustle to full-time business owner. Ooh, scary. So scary. Oh, Bryony, so many of our amazing women listening are stuck in this very conundrum. So your pearls of wisdom are going to be invaluable today. So let's kick the episode off by hearing about your personal journey. You know, what were you doing while you started getting a dawn off the ground and while it was still a side hustle? Ridiculously, I was a mum of like six to, I think they were six or nine months old, twins. Um, so I was either very, very, I don't know, sleep deprived, couldn't make good choices and, and stupid decisions, or I was really smart and insightful. I don't know. But anyway, trying to start something with young twins was probably not the most smartest of my ideas. Um, <laughs> but it is what it is. And I got through it. Um, but look, I really have to be honest, the, the, Adorn's really an evolution. I mean, it, it did start for me as something that I wanted to, I, look, I needed to do something for my own self, um, my own self-worth. I just needed some time aside from being a mum to twins. I needed something else more than that. I've always been an entrepreneur. I had my first business when I was about 10. So it's just something that's innately in me to gravitate towards doing things that freak everyone else out around me, but it comes naturally and it's second nature to me. So I guess being that entrepreneur in my blood and then wanting to do something with outside of the twins, I really thought, what can I do that's not going to be too much of a commitment. It's going to be fun um, and it's accessible. And so for me, it was looking at um, teaching makeup classes. So I thought, because I was always getting people asking me how I do my makeup and, um, you know, having had my background's been marketing and sales and, and that kind of corporate background. Uh, but prior to having the boys, I did have a beauty salon um, in Richmond, which is a whole nother story. Um, and then I also have always worked as a makeup artist on the side of my corporate job because I love the artistic nature of that. I still colour in. I've got these beautiful derwents everywhere in my house. I just love colour and I just have a knack for, for putting colour together. And um, over the years of learning all of that and just playing around, I just loved doing makeup on the side. So I do weddings and all sorts of things. So I guess when I had the boys, I was thinking, okay, well, everyone asks me how to do their makeup. So, you know, to me, basic things were that most women walking around with 
products that just didn't even suit them, the wrong colours. So I thought if I teach classes, maybe that's something that will work. I don't know. And then I'm in their home. It's kind of like a party plan situation. I'm thinking if people turn up to talk about plastic Tupperware, surely they're going to come up and talk about makeup in a group. Like, I don't know. I I would prefer that personally. Uh, So I found a brand at the time that was like a network marketing brand. And I started to sell that and I was teaching these classes for free and I was educating about basic skincare and rah, rah, rah. Then I thought, well, this is bullshit. I'm making this company a crap load of money and I'm getting a bee's dick of profit out of this. Like I've got to somehow, like this is not on. Like I need to, I don't know, I need to sell my own products. And so, and I wasn't really happy about this brand completely. And I have to say as a consumer, I've at that point had never found a brand that I loved You know, you're always searching for that holy grail. I was always trying to find that product. Um, And being time poor, I was also frustrated with having to check ingredients and then different brands had different ethics. And I'm like, oh, God, this this is a natural bronzer, but they don't have anything else natural in the range. It's really just frustrating. So I just had an epiphany. I thought, what if I can produce a brand that people have so much confidence in that as we grow over time, They trust us implicitly that I could bring out anything and they know that it has the same ethics and the same uh, production behind it. And so I started looking at producing just a smallish range um, with at the time when I had the beauty salon, I had someone door knock on the salon and ask if I wanted to produce our own skincare and makeup for the salon. And I was like, oh, no, that's forget that. I'm not. No, but I kept the card and then I remembered at this point that I'd kept this person's details and I had a conversation with them about my idea and I just said, look, I want to do this, but obviously it's something I'm going to have to start very small. I teach classes. They're doing really well. I do think this is going to be quite successful, um, but I just need you to, you know, accept that I'm not going to be able to order a lot, um, which was really good of them to, I think, believe in me. Like it was great because as a supplier, they could have just gone, oh, well, bugger you. Because there's a lot of suppliers out there that would say, no, if you can't do 10,000 units of something, go away. Uh, And there's still a lot of them are like that to this day. But this particular brand um, or producer, I I don't know, saw something and was happy to produce very, very, very small batches for me. Um, So being that I'm very good with colour and have my own beliefs around ingredients and things like that, I really just put together what I want it to do, what I want it to look like and what I don't want it to have. And then it was just a matter of, you know, producing a very small range at the time with the most ugliest packaging you could ever 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 see like I'm embarrassed of it <laughs> anyway I've kept it it's so I really need to do like I need to see one. it I need we oh, need to see it oh, oh god and again it comes down to the fact that I had to you know I had to get the packaging that I could afford number one and two that would let me buy like 10 of you know you, you don't have much choice you got to buy stuff off the shelf so anyway that's how it all kind of started um the evolution from that was that then I was teaching these classes, women were loving it because they were getting colour matched and just very basic. I wasn't showing them smoky eyes. It was very basic. Let's just look like a better version of ourselves, you know. And and so then 
just by nature, of course, they run out of those products and were ringing me up to reorder them. And I'm thinking, well, I just can't be on the phone taking orders all the time. Maybe I can set up my own like party plan situation. I thought if I could duplicate me and have lots of me's out there doing these parties, then that would be one way of solving that problem and also growing into a little company, um, which I did try for a while. And I guess it came became pretty obvious pretty quickly that there's not many brinies out there. Uh, so I had to scrap that idea. Um, and then I just looked at, okay, let's just do a website. So at that point, I'd invested quite a bit of money into a website um, that was for a party plan hierarchy. So I'd lost quite a bit of money doing that. Um, But then I looked at, okay, let's just set up the website because then people can start placing their orders through the website. Because one, I think sometimes when you start a business, and this is all about, you know, turning your side hustle into something that's a brand, I think there's those of us like me who just started out with a little idea that just thought, you're either you've enjoyed it, like you're making little soaps and it turns into something, you didn't even think about it, um, or, you know, you have that thought straight away, you want this to be a big brand and you might look in at investors to, you know, really uh, stop wasting time and just get get to where you want to go within sort of, you know, two to five years. Then there's, as I said, people like me who come up with a concept or an idea and it's really just plugging away and, and you're growing and you're loving what you do and, you know, you, you're, I suppose, smoothing and ironing out things as you go along. And that's really how I started. Adorn really is an evolution of something I wanted to do. Um coupled with seeing what the needs were and at all times treating myself as the customer because I never had any money for, um, you know, I suppose looking at market research or I didn't have the time to be researching things for too long. Um, I didn't have a lot of money. Oh, look, I had no money to start with. I mean, I was a stay-at-home mum. So what I did, and I know a lot of people, I guess, probably want to know how do you, you break that cycle if you've already got a job and things like that. Well, for me, I guess, because I I was a stay-at-home mum, I wasn't having to leave anything. Um, So that side of it was easy, but I think there was still the issue around how do I finance this? And so as I realised this was turning into something that was a bit more than me just doing parties, I thought this could be something here. I made the decision that, okay, I'm going to have to create, because our money that we've got really, there's nothing left. So I set up a little salon in one of my rooms at my house at the time. Um, I seriously don't know why anyone came, but anyway, I set up a little beauty salon in my room. Um, So I had my one little Ikea desk for a dawn with a computer on it. Then I had my waxing bed. It was the smallest room. You couldn't have swung a cat around in it. And then I went with the twins, you know, the big double pram as far as I could walk without, you know, sleep deprivation and as far as I could walk pushing those little Buddhas around the whole of Glen Waverley, Mount Waverley, I would do a leaflet drop and I just thought, look, if someone wants a Brazilian wax at my house, they do, they don't, they don't. I don't know. So... And I was very, I'm going to toot my own horn, I was very good at eyebrow sculpting. Um, 
So when I sold my salon, I had quite a few people that were like stressed and anyone that's got good brows and has someone that does them would understand that stress. It's like breaking up a marriage. So I knew that I could contact them and let them know that I was doing that anyway. Um, And it was probably about a year or so after I'd sold the salon anyway. And so I did the leaflet drop. I said to my husband, look, maybe I can make a bit of money doing this and then that will pay for, you know, little bits of stock that I need. And lo and behold, I got a phone call. Like someone wanted me to wax them. I was like, what? Whoa. Okay. So before I knew it, this little side hustle of a side hustle that I'd created ended up its own beast. Like I had people like literally I had to commit specific days because I was waxing and waxing and waxing till the cows came home. I'm like, hang on a minute. I'm going to have to take a breather of this because otherwise my first side hustle ain't going to get anywhere because this shit's taken over. Um, So, you know, I I really don't want to be Brazilian waxing for the rest of my life, you know. So that was great because, of course, it gave me the funding to buy the little bits of stock and, the you know, it was really two steps forward, one step back. So I had to accept that it, all the money I was making was going into this. And then as things grew, I was like, oh my God. So I now have to do waxing like for two days. I need more money. I need to do two days a week, not one. And so then I had to hire a nanny because my husband worked and nannies are just not bloody cheap. So one day of my waxing would go towards paying almost her I'd have a tiny bit left over to work on the business so really a lot of what I was making I was spending to get the business off the ground I suppose in very small increments because you've also got to remember not only did I have hardly any money to it was just whatever I could earn and what was left over from paying the nanny but I was also only able to buy very small quantities of stuff so the margins and profit in them was barely, you know, I could see some people would have just gone, oh, what am I, like I'm busting my chops for nothing here. So you really have to, when you're looking at your side hustle, is it always just going to be a side hustle? Do you just love it being a side hustle? Do you love, you know, making your soaps or doing your little painting and whatever it is, do you just be serious? Like do you want it to become a serious business? Because sometimes what starts out as a passion can dissolve into not a passion anymore because it it does it has its own issues the bigger you get so there's nothing wrong with your side hustle always remaining one first of all that's the first thing is do you really have you got it in you have you got the resilience have you got the tenacity have you got the ability to put your ego aside and know that the, this is this is something that's not going to be easy because if it was, everybody would be doing it um, or everybody's side hustle would turn into a big business. And the reality is they, they don't. So I think that I'm always about people's mental health. You do not have to be an entrepreneur. You don't have to be someone that turns your side hustle into the business. But if you want it to be, you need to be prepared. There's going to be a shit ton of sacrifice. And when I say that, I mean, I did not take a wage for 10 years, not 10 months, 10 years, I did not take a wage. And I don't know anybody that's been stupid enough to do that, <laughs> but it's paid, but it's paid off. Um, so 
you know, it's really about accepting that when you're transitioning, it's always going to be two steps forward, one step back, maybe even one and a half steps back. Maybe it'll be two steps back. So it's accepting that. You are not going to be a multimillionaire in your first year, two or three. You're not. And if you are, it almost might be a bit scary. You might have grown too quick. I don't know. You're like, ooh, that can be scary too. So I have this motto where I work till I'm stretched, not stressed. So I think it's a good motto if people are looking at their side hustle, they're like, yes, I this is it's in my blood, I want to do this. Work till you're stretched. And what I mean by that is at capacity. So and then add on. So it could be that you've stretched yourself, but you're not stressed. Because when you're stressed, you make silly decisions and you make decisions based on emotions. And that's because you're so tired or so like can't think straight. So you tend to make silly decisions when you're stressed. But if you're stretched, then you go, okay, I I have used all my own resources. There is no more briny left. I need some help with, say, I don't know, someone half a day to help me with the book work now. Um, don't wait until you're working 24 hours a day, that's stressed. That's not stretched. So you need to know what your level of stressed and stretched is. Some people's levels of stressed is like they can't handle any. So, you know, you you need to work on your own personal development and, and really innately understand yourself as a person. So what, what level of risk can you take before it'll make you sick? Um, like, and I mean physically sick. Some people like vomit you can get yourself that sick financially as well. So it's understanding what can you accept risk-wise, what can you what can you handle from an ego point of view, and where's your stretched versus stress limit. Now, for me, as a dawn was evolving, and I could see that you know, without I mean, we haven't got enough hours in the day to go through all of the ups and downs of creating a dawn. But initially, it was started off with this: I need to do something other than just being home with my kids. This is a great idea. It's something I love. It's something that's just natural to me, um, and it evolved. And then, of course, it evolved into an idea that didn't work, being the party plan, to an idea being the website that did work, but took. 12 years to work because selling colour and doing something like what I was doing back then was just not done. Like everybody thought I would fail. Aside from my husband and my parents, I really don't think anyone thought I was going to succeed at it. If they're honest, they might not want to admit it. Um, But, you know, so, you know, now it's second nature, but back then everybody was like, you know, if I can't go to a store, touch, smell, feel it, it's not going to work. Um, But for me, you know, I think it's about accepting that it is going to take a bit of time. It, if you need to, I think, invest five to ten years to sort of accept that somewhere around there it's going to take um, five years, definitely. And how I worked out my risk was this: I said to myself, "Okay, what can I? How much debt am I prepared to put myself in?" Because I didn't have backers, and I didn't want to go out and get funding. I just didn't want to. I wanted it to be my own thing. That was just me. Call it a control issue. I don't know. It just. I just wanted it to be my thing. And I also didn't understand all of that side of business at that point of time. I didn't understand all of that. So I stayed away from it. So I thought, okay, if I have to grow this business, I'm going to have to borrow money. So what is my pain point with that? What's my stress threshold with this? So I thought to myself, okay, if I was to go back into corporate I know what I'm I'm worth. How much 
if I was to work five years to pay back my debt, how like how much would that be? And so then that's kind of how I worked out where I was comfortable getting myself into debt. So I sort of thought, okay, if I'm worth this for 12 months, I'm worth this for five years, we can survive off my husband's one wage. So if I get us into that amount of debt and it all falls to shit in a year or two, then I just know I've got to commit five years of my life putting all of the money to pay that debt back. That was my strategy to accept the debt as it was going. I think the mistake a lot of people make is they've got a great idea, whether it's service or product-based, they get started and then all of a sudden they grow, but they're not sure at what capacity they can deal with that. Um, and so they're like, before they know it, they're, they're getting money here and left, right and centre to try and pay for things or they're putting money on credit cards and then they're like, shit, I don't even know if I can actually substantiate, substantiate that with the sales that I'm getting. Um, oh, my God. And then they start to get into that stress realm because they've not had this conversation with themselves first about what debt they're comfortable with. So you might have got yourself into a hundred grand's worth of debt, let's say, and all you can think about is that, not your business, not your health. You're like, oh my God, oh, every day you go to bed with it. And you, you, you can't digest that amount of stress. What you need, and a hundred grand, you might actually be very easily able to pay that back, but you've not had the conversation with yourself to know where you can let go of it. If you had have said at the beginning, okay, I know I could pay this back in two or three years. If, if it all went belly up, this is my amount before I call it quits. The hundred grand, the same situation probably wouldn't irk you at all, but you haven't had the conversation. So I do think that that's an important thing for you is to really discuss with yourself where your financial stress level is and where your level of risk is. I think I've gone off on tangent a little bit there, haven't I? I've gone from side hustle to risk management. How did that happen? <laughs> Such valuable advice. I just Honestly, for so many of our amazing women out there listening, I hope you're resonating with this as much as I am. I am nodding along. You guys can't see me. But look, Bryony, I just wanted to circle back on something I found extremely important and also I feel like isn't talked about enough, which is this idea of personal sacrifice and appreciating that when you start your side hustle, when you start a business, there's that element to it. And so I guess when it comes to this idea of personal sacrifice, you, you know, for yourself, not paying yourself for 10 years. Oh my goodness. You know, for myself, to be honest with you, it was a so like two to three years mm. of nada, you know, yeah. and you're paying everyone else, everyone else is getting paid and you're just sitting there wondering why you were even doing this, you know, yeah. we find ourselves in that position and perhaps it's still the side hustle phase during that time. How do we have the courage to keep going? And more so than that, how can we get clear on what we want our vision for this when it's so early on mm. and perhaps it is still that side hustle? I'd be lying if I didn't admit that there was many times that I've ended up in tears almost sucking my thumb in a corner somewhere. Like, honestly, I with like no shadow of a doubt, there's been times where, you know, you, you, you question like, you know, this is just unfair. I work my ass off. Like, this is just not right. Or, you know, oh my God, I've been ripped off. All this website I've paid for doesn't work. Like, you know, and the thing is, you know, when you, when you look at uh, any kind of 
commitment to a business that's that's more than you um that's that's the the issue there is that you're relying on external sources it's not it's not all up to you at the end of the day and so there are going to be huge highs and huge lows especially when you don't have the funds to have people behind you or included in the journey and sometimes the people that are included in your journey are not the right ones um so a lot of what you experience as an as a new business or a side hustle uh yes it's extremely um difficult but I, I'm not sure that that necessarily changes as your business becomes more successful. I think that you're just better equipped to deal with it. And I think that's the key. Um, you know, it's like when people ask me about, you know, kids, I've got young, a young one and I've got teenagers. They're like, does it get easier? And I'm like, no, it just gets different. It's the same shit, but a different day. <laughs> like it's, you know, and, and business is the same, you know. So yes, you've got your stresses of starting out. Um, and you're probably not equipped to deal with it from your own experience, financially, emotionally, and you probably, most importantly, haven't built a community of people that you can bounce off just yet. Um, most people probably think you're a leper and have no idea what you're doing um, and just think you're weird. So, you know, once you're like, you know, you're in a, a business that's earning millions of dollars every year, those issues don't really go away. You're all, but, but they're different in some ways. So you're always going to have growth, or hopefully growth um, opportunity, which becomes uh, an issue around. Okay, how are we going to finance that? Have we got the cash for that, or do we have to look outside? You know, we're growing. We need more staff. Christ, they were awful, or they were great. So you've got staff. You've got. Um, people's personalities you've got infrastructure um so it, it's really never easy it's just different and you're equipped differently and I know like if I can compare myself now to you know f even 15 years ago um you're just more content with yourself the older you get and I think that you know when you've gone through so many different experiences and it's the same when you're a mum it's like having your first child to your third it's it's just you don't sweat it as much because you know that that issue is going to resolve itself where something I might have sucked my thumb and cried about you know 12 15 years ago now I'm like meh you know and 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 my team look at me and go isn't that worrying you and I'm like not at all it'll be fine tomorrow. Don't even worry. And they're like, what? Like, and they're all having nervous breakdowns, but I seriously do not. So it's all about that, you know, resilience, experience and being equipped. So I think if you're someone who doesn't manage stress well, then my recommendation to you would be the first thing would be to get the right people around you first. Um, because it wouldn't matter how equipped you are or how much money you've got, you're probably going to struggle because you're just someone who may be highly anxious or you're a bit stressed. Again, everything that I talk about through my podcasts or, you know, some of my other outlets to my community, I always bring it back to having this absolute confidence, uh, but also a good relationship of understanding yourself warts and all there is nothing wrong with your warts. You've just got to understand them and then you can control them a little bit more. So it's about knowing, okay, I get anxious with this. This stresses me out. It's not a competition to be the ice queen that nothing affects you. That's not the goal here. The goal is to see what 
you're trying to to achieve, see it through and see it through to give you a better lifestyle, to give you more time, to let you retire comfortably or whatever the reason is you're doing it. It's not to become someone that everybody looks up to and like, oh, nothing breaks her. That's not, that's not it. Oh, she's super busy. That's not it. It's, it's about understanding what makes you tick, what elements of the business are you passionate about that you want to do, what things do you want to give away, what stresses you out. And then you need to look at what do you need to, to equip yourself to deal with your warts. So do you need, if you're a highly stressed, anxious person, you probably need to look at a really good community, one or two people. Maybe you need to look at an investor that has the expertise in your field that you can bounce off that's already done it before. Maybe, you, you know, you're giving away a portion of your business, but really is that if you find the right person, are they going to save you time? You know, you're really giving away a little bit of your business to gain time and and hopefully have something worth so much more quicker. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. People do that all the time. You look at seed funding and all these things. Like some people straight from the outset don't want to fund their own things or can't or they just want that person with the right expertise to come in. They've come up with this great nugget but they they can't facilitate it. They just don't have the resources. Um, you know, if you're someone like me and you, and you start off where it just evolves, you kind of just accumulate the right community along the way. And I think that it's important that you always hire people that are better than you at certain things. Um, you know, like of all the staff that I have, like they're all better than me than at, at everything they do. Like, let, let, like let's face it, some of them have these 20 spreadsheets open and I'm like, oh, like I know how to run a spreadsheet, but the thought of it makes me want to throw up. Like I know I have, I'm not a patient person, <laughs> you know, and then the creative stuff for the newsletter. And I'm like, oh, wow. How many clicks did you need to, like, I have to walk away from you right now. I'm an eyes, dears person. I want it done yesterday and I get shit done. But if things take too long, I'm not patient. So I need people who are patient and that, you know, they like to have things detailed. They find the devil in the detail because I won't, because I just skim over everything. So there's nothing wrong with that. I just know that's about, that's, that, that's just the way I am. So if you can't get real with yourself, that's where I think you're going to run into a lot of problems. It's understanding you, what you love, what you don't, what's good about your personality, what maybe needs a bit of working. Um, and then these things just evolve and you become better at these things over time. For those of us who are thinking, I'm hearing you, yes, getting to know myself, sure. But right now I'm sitting on my side hustle. I've been doing it for two years. It's eating up all of my time outside of work. When is the right time? Is there a number, Bryony? Should I have made XYZ sales? Like, how do I know when to quit my job and actually do this? Yeah, the hardest thing with that is that there's no definitive answer and that's the problem. Um, and I asked myself that over many, many, many years. Like, I, like, at what point do I know this is not working? You know, when do I find strength in knowing the, the right time to say I tried but it didn't work? Because there is strength in that. There is there is falsehood in just holding on to something that's, you know, flogging a horse. Like I, I think for everybody, this is going to be different. I mean, I think if you've got no money left and again, you've had that conversation, you've reached that threshold of finances, you know, maybe that's the decision or you can, you pull it back a little bit for a period of time. Um, have you actually really sacrificed enough? Like, 
Could you move back with your parents? Could um, could you maybe stack shelves somewhere at night for a few hours? Um, you know, look, I think whether you've got kids, you don't have kids, or you've got a job, or you don't have a job, we've all got reasons that make what we're doing hard. Wouldn't it be great if we all had a pot of gold and someone said, here's a million bucks, you can spend 24 hours a day on your idea. And if it doesn't work in two years, that's the exact cutoff day you turn away and Michelle, you go back to a job. Like that would be awesome. Yeah, I've got two years to do this shit, but it, it, that is not the reality of it. It's it's about like I've never had a business plan or a marketing. I've never had any plans or it's all in my head. But what I do, I suppose, um, work on is, again, what point of time, what's, what money do we need to live day to day? If you've got kids or a mortgage or whatever, what do you need? And then, you know, like what a little bit of extra because there's always there's always incidentals you don't think of or, or, or things that hit the fan like my, one of my goddamn rubes is falling in one of my bathrooms at the moment like because there's a leak like what the hell so you know you don't plan on something so don't I suppose work out a budget so that you've just got absolutely nothing left have a buffer there but what do you need for that and then can you I don't know on a Saturday work somewhere like 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 I did, I had to sacrifice. Yeah, I would have probably rather spend some time with my kids on those two days. But you have to make so everything's about an opportunity cost. Um, it's you know basic economics. There is always an opportunity cost when you decide to do something, and it's only you that will know what you're prepared to do. So it could be that um, you know you're prepared to give up some time to try and earn that extra money to fund your venture. Um, so it's really, I think, a matter of looking at the things that you're prepared to do and not prepared to do. And only you can answer that. So I think it's like if you've sa sacrificed your, you know, you've moved back home, you're working weekends, you're still not earning any money, you're, you're getting more and more into debt, well, then maybe there's some strength in accepting that maybe this idea isn't working or do you need somebody to come in and, and help you, um, help you with that particular idea to get it to get it going. So it might not be that the idea or your side hustle's wrong. It could be just that you need external help. Um, and there's a lot of people that will will do that. They, you know, a lot of people will go and get some sort of external funding. They don't necessarily, or even just help, physical help. Not everybody does it on their own. I want to talk about overcapitalizing. You know, I think in the early days, we just, we don't know what to spend it on, like what to spend that little amount of money that we have on. You know, we have an idea of what we want to do, but perhaps, you know, it's our first venture. We don't really have that business acumen to know, okay, I should be distributing my funds this way. You know, I find that a lot of the time and, you know, just what we see out there is, and especially with social media now are these side hustle businesses growing out of nothing. They've got all this cash behind them and, you know, it's, they've almost padded out their business in those very early days where you don't really know what you're doing so much and spent so much that, you know, it's it, it seems like a bit of an overspend. What are your thoughts on overcapitalizing? And I guess how can we be mindful with where we spend our money and if we've gotten someone else's money as investment or whatever it may be, how we spend their money? 
Well, if you've had an investor invest in you, don't worry, they'll make sure you spend <laughs> their money right. <laughs> That's the first bit of advice. You don't just get to willy-nilly spend it on what you want. So um, I think that's the beauty for some people is that if you do go down and you find the right investor is that they usually, well, you would think that you would bring on someone that not only has the money but maybe a skill set you don't have. Um, so I think that's a, a really important thing to maybe talk about is that, um you know, and, and that's something that I might maybe looking at myself in the next year or two is bringing someone on board with the Dawn that's got more expertise around, you know, the overseas market um, or maybe even our own flag, flagship store. Um, you know, that it's just something that I just don't have that level. I could learn it, but, God, it's going to probably take me another five or ten years and I'm going to have to fly around and I, it just doesn't interest me, that side of it. So, you know, bringing on someone with the skill set and money, they will hold you accountable for spending that and distributing that the right way. Um, I think that, you know, like for me being a product-based business, it was really not getting caught up in spending money on logos and, you know, fonts and all this amazing stuff because if anything, what I've learned even now is you constantly change things or you think, oh, I don't even like the name of that anymore. And then you've spent all this money on labels or packaging that you can't use. Um, so for me, it's, again, not get, getting caught up too much in the packaging even. As I said earlier on, like my packaging is so ugly that I started with, like, oh, you know, and like, and I'm constantly evolving. And that's the beauty of having um, full control over a dawn and not having it in um, retail outlets is that I can change the packaging sort of whenever I want when I think it makes sense to do so. So um, I think when you've... I, I, I feel like when you're a product-based business, people look at, you know, margins and profitability and they think, all right, but if I get 10,000 units, I'll make more money. But then but you still outlaid the cash flow. So it's it's not all – at the beginning, it's not always looking at your margins and profit, well, profitability, yes, but it's not always looking at your margins. It's looking at what bottom line I think cash flow should be your biggest focus as a new business. Um and it was one thing one thing that I learnt hard way. Um, I always thought profitability was how much money I had. It's it's not actually, um, because profit your profit your profit and loss uh, documents or your profit and loss statement, whatever profit you've got there. I thought initially, oh, I made a profit of a thousand dollars. Well, I should have a thousand dollars in the bank. Well, that's not the case because what a profit and loss doesn't take into account is payments that you make to assets and 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 liabilities because they sit on a balance sheet. So those payments don't get added in there. The interest portion does, but not the actual equity part of it or the loan part of it. So that $1,000, you might actually be out of pocket from a cash perspective, thousands of dollars. So one thing I think for a new business is, yeah, don't over don't overcapitalize, but don't make sure you understand what a profit and loss versus a cash flow statement is. And if you don't understand those, just have a spreadsheet with cash flow, simply money in, money out. And that's credit cards, car payment, whatever it is, because that'll give you the bottom line of what you've got left over. If you're relying on profit and loss and you think that that's what you've got to spend, it isn't. And you need to have a good conversation with your accountant to understand those things. And and that was something that really for a long time um, 
stuffed me up because I, I, I just didn't know the difference. Um, but luckily for me, I had always kept a very, very strong to the minute cash flow. Like I, and I think that's why I never really got myself in any serious trouble, even though I thought, well, hang on, it's not making sense to me. Why am I, why it says I've got made a thousand dollars profit, but here it says I'm down five grand. So I just kept relying on my um, cash flow. And I think if you do that, you won't be able to capitalize because you'll know what your opening bank balance is. And then you're just putting all of your expenses every day, not once a week, because one week you could lose your business. When, especially when you're that small um, and you don't want to be ringing up mum and dad because you, you've got, you know, I don't know, something that you owe and you've got to pay for it. So it's it's plotting out what you owe in advance, have them all in, you know, future weeks. So have four weeks in the month and it's every day plot in there what you think things will be and then change it to another colour. Maybe you have your spreadsheet all in red, all of the things you think, and then you change it to black text when you know that's how much it actually will be. And you just won't be able to overcapitalize if you keep a really sharp, sharp look at your expenses and your income. Such valuable advice. I love how we are talking about finance and we do talk about it a bit on your show, Bryony. So many people have a misconception of, oh, I'll start a side hustle, I'll start a business. And they don't understand that majority of your job as the CEO or founder is cash management, oh, is yeah. money, is finance. That is literally, yep. I think about my role, 50% of what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously for yourself the same. Such, such valuable advice. We could talk for days, Bryony, but I am mindful of your time. Thank you so much for your tips, tricks, your wisdom on turning your side hustle into a full-time business. I cannot wait for more. Thank you, darling. Thank you for listening to the Beauty, Business and Babies podcast brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. I hope there was something in today's episode that you found relatable and made you feel less alone. As women, we're all struggling with something on the inside, but we're often too afraid to ask for help. If there was something in this episode that you think might help another woman you know, please share it with them and let me know by screenshotting this episode and tagging me on social media at Bryony A. Kennedy and at Adorn Cosmetics. If you love what Adorn Cosmetics stands for, subscribe to this podcast right now and head to adorncosmetics.com.au to become an adorner and receive special offers on all things Adorn. Thank you once again for listening and being part of my journey. I'll see you next time. Thank you.